I would always watch and they would <laughs> the commentators really you know how they always kind of like say the the player's name as they're you know touching the ball and everything. He was with Lester on loan. Sorry, yes. Yeah. You're yeah. right. You're right. And I was gonna say I thought it was Lester when he, but he would get the ball and pass it and like, oh cleverly. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, are they saying he played the ball cleverly? Like it was a <laughs> clever pass? <laughs> And it took me about like four to five like times watching it like, oh, that's the guy's fucking name. <laughs> on today's footy corner, Man City stretched their winning run to 20 in a row after Diaz and Sones show that they can defend and score. Steve brings forth evidence of champs that were clearly worse than Liverpool in their title defense to dispute Jeff's claims. Arsenal ambush Leicester, Bale buries Burnley, and Squadron leads a revolution at Schalke, along with the typical comments, predictions, and gambling corner. Next. And we are back on the footy corner today. I have a co-host with me. It's a beautiful thing. Steve's in the house. Steve, how's everything going? Oh, you know, just great. Just spending uh, spending a bit of time setting up the nursery, you know, doing grown-up things. So now I'm ready to devolve a little bit here. Get back to my roots. <laughs> Absolutely. Lo- love the beautiful game. And I always love having, uh, you know, the people, the members of the panel that we have together usually. It's been actually nice rotating kind of co-hosts with you guys to just catch up with you guys often. I actually will say... Um, I believe an international break is coming soon. So the panel will be back. It feels like it's been forever. Um, yeah. But I'm very excited about that. But yeah, I, I was excited to hear, uh, you know, about you guys. You're talking about, you know, getting the nursery together. Everything's coming together well. So I'm, I'm pumped for you guys there. Uh, and and then the house, everything's settling in there, the new place. Um, yeah. I know you've been there a while now, but, you know, every, sometimes you got to work out the, the kinks here or there. We've definitely, we've definitely had some issues here and there. I won't go too far in, but I don't want to waste listeners time, but let's just say, I'm glad we have a warranty on the house and people have to come out and fix the shit that they fucked up. So. Absolutely. I, I will say, I know that's something I've always heard with people. So that's just, you know, those listening, if you're going to go to a new place or get one, I've always heard that that's a thing. So just prepare yourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are right. always issues the first year. <laughs> Absolutely. So with that said, uh, the, the sports are going well, actually, before I get into soccer, our teams, we split this weekend in hockey on the ice. Oh, you can call that a split. <laughs> <laughs> you guys took Saturday's game, and then you had a lot more shots than us yesterday. Just they didn't go in. Yeah, well, what was the final score? It was 7-2, to two, Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, at, this, at this point in the season for the Red Wings, I'm just like, I, I want to see us losing more. I, last time I looked, we're not in last place, and I'm like, all right, guys. We need we need more draft capital if we're going to actually be good in the coming years. So yeah, yeah, you, know, you can see it, the glimpses though. I will say from watching them, we've played. I think the Hawks have played them six times now, um, yeah. and we've gotten the best. But it's not like every game has been like Sunday's game. And you know, even in Sunday's game, you know, the Red Wings had about like I said at one point I saw it was like forty shots to twenty something. I was like, good God! Yeah, uh, see, we're not we're not bad in the regular run of play. It's just when there's a penalty kill or yes. a power play, we are. atrocious like we we can't we I know last year we had the worst penalty kill and I'm pretty sure the worst power play as well Mm -hmm. and I 
I don't know the exact stats here, but I'm, <laughs> if we're not worst, we're probably close to it. So yeah. Yeah. If I've learned anything, that's what it is. It's special teams, man. I'm telling you, that's what we were, we were bad at before too. And we, we actually are good this year, but I saw, yeah, again, this year when I was looking at the rankings uh, as they're showing it, you know, you guys were not, not doing too hot in that, but again, we'll see what happens. I know a lot of hockey people, Jeff Paris's team is doing the best out of all of, all of ours. He's enjoying his sports, uh, his sports stuff there, but again, they're, you know, they're playoff chokers. So yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not worried about the Leafs in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so let's go ahead and get to the soccer, I guess. Um, and you know, I guess we'll start with Manchester city, uh, because let's, get, I, uh, let's just get Jeff out of the way for today. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know, we know he's going to listen to the whole thing. So we might as well throw his team at the beginning, let the other people hang on as, as cliffhangers. Uh, but yeah, city winning, you know, another match two one. uh, their defensive pairing with the goals, actually Diaz and stones, both scoring. I thought De Bruyne put in a great cross for, for Diaz's first goal. They, they kind of sandwich Antonio's equalizer. Um, you know, it was, it was a pretty, it was actually a pretty decent game. You know, it wasn't, yeah. it was back and forth. Um, it was worth the wake up time. I'll say, uh, my question to you is I'll start with Manchester city. Um, before we jump into it, actually, I, I do have a stat. This is the first time in a year that Aguero and De Bruyne have started together, uh, which is which is scary. <laughs> I I thought I saw something along those lines too, and it's like I don't even know why Aguero is playing anymore. Yeah. I I, uh, I actually read an interview that uh, I think it was with Arteta, where he's like, oh, it was before the Man City Arsenal match, and everyone's like, oh yeah, do you think you'll have one up on him because he doesn't have a, a true striker? And Arteta's like, listen, man, this is the way he's wanted to play his entire career. Now he just, or not, well, not the entire career, the entire time he's been at Man City. So now he just gets to actually do it because Aguero's been out. So it's like, this is what he wants. Don't let, don't let the, the lines fool you here. Yeah. You're no, you're right. Because look at this run they've gone on. They really didn't have a strike. I mean, Gabriel Jesus kind of stepped in a little bit, but he's never been like that clinical finisher. He actually works pretty decently in this, in this link up that they have going and they, they actually tend to work better. And Aguero didn't get in on any of these goals. So, uh, yeah. And in that one year, that one year ago, West Ham were in the relegation zone. So I thought that was a pretty fun fact there. Uh, but jumping into city, they've been great all season. Obviously I know it's tough for, for, uh, us to mention it with Jeff's presence on the pod, but I just have a question on your thoughts on this Diaz Stones partnership. It's obvious to everyone. They're the best one this season. Now the question is where do they kind of rank maybe in premier league history? Is it too early to rank them really high or, or do you have them kind of in the top five or 10? To even put them near the top five right now. And I'm not saying they're not good because they are obviously the best this year. It's just disrespectful to even put them near the top five right now. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about a body of work, like get real. I mean, even, even to their own previous teammates with Vincent company and Lescott, say Terry and Caravallo, uh, Saul Campbell and Torre, mm-hmm. Ferdinand and Oh God, what was that guy's name? I feel like it starts with a V. Vidic. But when they were, yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, those were like all time great parents, but Mm-hmm. To, to put them up there right now, like, no, no. Right. Do, it, do it consistently over a couple of years and we can talk about it. But as of right now, I'm not even, not even considering them near the top five. 
Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you there. I feel like that's that's something that you'll say, okay, are they on a trajectory to possibly do that? Like you said, put them together for a decent amount of years, like those those pairings that you mentioned, right? And see if they can continue to do this. But but it's a really tough, tough say. I just thought I'd throw it in there just to stoke the fires. I know what Jeff will say, but I'm curious, Jeff, let us know at the footy corner too. You know what's interesting? Greatest all time, second only to company and Lescott. That's yes. it. That's, that's, that might be what he says. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. He'll probably find another pairing that they've had in the past and yeah. make them the top three. Yeah, uh, another, another Vincent company pairing. Right. Absolutely. Uh, he'll throw what Fernandinho, who isn't even yeah. a center back in one of his favorite pairings. Uh, so I will say this funny, fun fact that I kind of read that they have scored five, that defensive pairing. I believe Stones have scored four of them and Diaz has scored one. And together, so that's five scored together. They've conceded only three. So even as a defensive pairing, they have scored more goals themselves than they've conceded. The other interesting fact, when I was reading that, I was watching, you know, kind of watching highlights of the game. And I thought, oh, Stones is number five. Diaz is number three. So it's a lot of number uh, kind of mind fucking going. A little bit of number play. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So last thing I want to bring up about City before we jump in. Because I want to talk a little bit about West Ham. Uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was a week ago on a solo episode, that I thought Pep is doing one of his best jobs considering all the injuries. Uh, and, and, you know, because a lot of people said he's, he's loaded with great teams, which is true, but he's dealt with, like I said, injuries. And then I named a bunch of players that if you named me maybe a year ago, I'd have said that there's no way that team wins the league or was winning in a landslide. What is your thought on Pep's managing job this season? I think he's done an amazing job this year. I mean, it's it's undoubtable that he is very clearly the second best manager in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Who's who, who? Do you have as number one? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, certain city fans will say this is disrespectful of me, and I'm, I owe them an apology. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who we're talking about. But by the way, Brian hasn't apologized. So. <laughs> But remember back to the, the first panel we did preseason, every single person on the pod picked West Ham to be relegated. Yep, absolutely. And even though they lost this, this game, they showed that they belonged. And they were, not, they were not steamrolled by West Ham or by Man City. <clears throat> so to me, like, I don't think West Ham's – I think West Ham has a better chance of staying up than Leicester at this point. Oh, in the okay, in the top four. Yeah. That's a hot take that I, I kind of am liking based on what I've been seeing lately. And I agree with you. To me, this match wasn't a matter of is West Ham gonna win or draw? Are they do they belong? And like you said, not only do they equalize, they there were moments of attack and they actually could have tied it at the very, very end too. They got oh so close, I think, on a, on some link up play that the guy at the back post didn't get get onto the ball at the last second. But yeah. like, like you know, like you're talking about, they were in it. They even had chances to take the lead before Stones put City ahead after you know what took some good play. They, I agree. So you do do you see them though as top four? So you say that they'll stay above Leicester. Does that mean top four? It's it's tough. Um, if I had to go off of recent run of play, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get more into this with when we go into when we go into Leicester's uh, match against Arsenal, but I don't know. I don't know about uh, 
I don't know about Leicester and West Ham are, they did not shrink in the face of pressure. And that to me kind of says like, they'll fight to stay up Mm -hmm. where I'm not as confident with a couple other teams in the, in the top five right now. So. Well, that, well, that said, let's just go. Let's go to Leicester. Actually, a, a match there between them and Arsenal. They're at home, and uh, you know what I would consider quite a disappointing defeat uh, with with where they both stand the table. A three-one defeat after starting so well with that Yuri Tielemans goal. Um, before jumping into the three that Arsenal scored, did you happen to see that goal by any chance? Yeah, I think Pablo Marie is still backing up into the Atlantic Ocean on that. I I mean, what? holy shit. Like I woke up and I was kind of groggy. I, you know, it was a 6 a.m. game. So it wasn't even like 6.30 central. And I remember turning the TV on, I'm watching it. And I'm like, did he really just back all the way into his own goal on that one? And just let him just go to the net and shoot? Like, what the fuck? Like people were ripping on um, William for, you know, turning the ball or, I mean, giving Shaka a bad pass. They're ripping on Shaka for turning it over. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, yeah, but the guys on defense, just literally everyone backed away towards Vardy. I think three people followed Jamie Vardy into the goal and you yeah. had a clear open shot, which was bananas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just fucking brutal. Right. So, but then they struggled after that, you know, Arsenal took control, Luis, Lacazette and Pepe, the goal scorers. Let's talk about Leicester first though, because you mentioned them. Um, before we get into them, I want to say there's big news coming out on Harvey Barnes. Uh, he left just before I believe the Pepe goal. So that was like the 51st minute, something like that. Um, it looks like they're saying that he's going to be out six weeks and have a knee operation. Now, is that Lester's bigger, biggest problem? Or do you think it's how they were playing even before he got hurt? Um, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about it. And I, I don't know if I can say one is a bigger problem than the other, but like, it makes me think back to, you know, the last panel we had, we, we all called that Lester was going to have an issue because Barty's going to go down. Mm-hmm. Barty went down and they were fine, largely because the midfield play. I mean, everyone stood up, like everyone had their part, whether it was Tielemans, Barnes, Madison, Pereira, and Didi, like they all played their part. If if they're gonna start having injuries in the midfield, I think that could lead to bigger issues for them. You know, now looking at the I won't say whooping, but like they kind of got worked by Slavia Praha, you know. That's true. It it makes me think that they are gonna start to I mean they did they did it last year. They they collapsed last year and I wonder if they're going to start to get in their own heads on that collapse. And currently, I mean, I, as of right now, if you had to, if I had to put my money on it, I would put my money on Lester falling out of the top four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, this Harvey Barnes injury, you know, being at least six weeks. And like you mentioned, you talked about Madison who wasn't available in this match either, which like you said, they did get they did get worked in in Europa and they got worked in this match in the and and like you're saying the midfield is a key place. Um, you know, my other question being with the lineup that Arsenal put out, it was a bit weakened considering it looks like they put their big gun. They had to play their big guns against Benfica in the second leg because they screwed up the first leg. They continue to play the big players against City and all these other teams. 
So they actually kind of rotated. We saw Pepe play. We saw William play with, with them rotating and Lester really looking like they had a better team put out there for this match. Would you classify this one as a bad loss for Lester? Based off of the scoreline. Yes. Not based off of the competition. Cause I honestly think Arsenal has been showing up and showing out lately. I know they lost to, they lost to City, but after that first goal for City, Arsenal showed up. Mm-hmm. And that match against Benfica, obviously you watched it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they had their chances to, to quote-unquote pull an Arsenal, mm-hmm. and they didn't. They yeah. stayed in it, and they, they ended up winning. And, I mean, they're showing a resiliency right now that I haven't seen uh, a fight that I haven't seen from Arsenal in a while. Mm-hmm. They've, they've had the talent, but they haven't had the, the the mindset. I don't know if it's necessarily the mindset, but like they haven't had the fight, which they're showing now, which is, I mean, I'm sure for you, a great thing to see. Yeah, no, you make actually a very good point. Like the, the, the sighting of the resiliency uh, falling behind early and fighting, even in loss to, in a loss to city. I mean, that's tough defense to Pierce, but you talk about them, uh, you know, Benfica, it was about, 30 minutes away from pulling an arsenal this match specifically, they gave up the goal six minutes in and they could have laid down and died. Like they have always kind of in the past, but you're right they're They're showing resiliency. And I think even if you go back to when they lost those couple, I think they've been playing really well since even the turn of the new year, just in general, uh, you know, with that one week that went awry was a, there was a red card in there and there was the Villa game. But I think all the, you know, you, you kind of throw that out and you say, hmm, this team has actually been, like you said, playing better. I'm, I'm seeing kind of a style emerge. I'm seeing them a lot more comfortable playing out of the back. And I know playing out of the back is not a new thing, but some teams do it better than others. And uh, you're seeing that a lot of the players are learning the system after some early downfalls. And so you mentioned the resiliency. I thought that was a great point. And I feel like I see a, a, a style kind of emerging that, there's a direction. So even if they're losing like that city game, I wasn't like, eh, it was disappointing. As you heard my little analogy, the start of it was, it was, was disappointing, but, but again, the, their play has been, I mean, it's been fun to watch. It was, it was not expected when I woke up and at six Oh seven or six Oh eight AM like, Oh, should I go back to sleep? I was like, no, no, just hang in there. See what happens. And, and it <laughs> so yeah, I'm seeing, I, I think there was a good sighting. Uh, anything else out of this match before we move to the other team from North London? Now, I think that's uh, yeah. all good. We'll leave it on a good note for you, right? I think so. I think <laughs> so. Before we get too deep into some some, pers- some potentially bad stuff, Tottenham and Burnley, uh, another North London team that was out doing a madness, Tottenham 4-0 winners. I think this is what we're going to know as the Gareth Bale game. The, the dude had a couple <laughs> goals and an assist. Kane and Lucas, the other goal scorers. Uh, you know, my question to you on this uh, is with Bale kind of breaking out this game, he kind of, and he, and he sort of did well um, in midweek as well. Uh, would you worry as another team that's competing for top four about Tottenham, who's a little lower in the table? I think they're in eighth right now. Do you yeah. have any worry for them or do you just say, you know what? They might've gone hot, but they beat Wolfsburger pellets, PLG or whoever they beat over the week. <laughs> and then this was Burnley, you know, <laughs> Honestly, I don't really get – I don't see this result and, like, watch that match and get scared, per se. I mean, Mm -hmm. for one, it's it's like asking someone if uh, seeing the 
Liverpool match result scared them. Like, no, but it's a, it's against a crap team. But the other thing that I look at that, that makes me feel like kind of shrug this off is that there are many fixtures, you know, there's a few months left out of those Liverpool only has four top 10 opponents left mm-hmm. compared to the Spurs having six and arguably theirs are harder opponents than ours. Like we'll have to compete with Chelsea and Arsenal as two of them. And those, those are the two hard ones. I think we have another one against Villa, which will be a game, but <clears throat> Spurs still have Villa twice. Mm-hmm. They have Arsenal, Man U, and uh, I can't remember all of them, but like Everton in there. Yeah. The yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, I don't know. I just, I look at that and I think, all right, they'll, they'll bungle it along the way. They'll get an injury and they'll, they'll pull up, <laughs> they'll pull a Spurs. Like, right. <laughs> I, I agree with you there. I, I, I felt the same way watching this match. Like I felt happy for, I mean, if there's a way to feel happy for Gareth Bale, you know, he's been having a tough go at things. So it was nice to see him kind of enjoy himself a bit. And Jose Marino gave him a run out. Now he didn't give Deli Ali a run out after he did well midweek. And so I wonder, you know, is Bale showing up to do this and, and Deli Ali still sitting on the bench showing that maybe that Marino you know, is too stubborn in leaving some of the guys on the bench. This is a team that had lost five of six entering this match. So, you know, at this point you're thinking maybe Mourinho's desperate in putting Bale on. He's showing a a desperation and going against his stubbornness. But if he maybe overcomes his stubbornness, could they have done better this season, perhaps, you know, playing someone like Dele at the 10, who we've seen has been good in the past. It's not like he magically sucked overnight. So I don't, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on, on those two players maybe being held back by Mourinho? So <laughs> this, I've, I've had a theory for a little while on Mourinho and you kind of saw it with, with Man U and I, I kind of feel like he, he comes into a team and he takes the, the star player and says to him like, this is how you're going to play. And if they don't react exactly the way he wants, he fucking benches them. That's true. That's his way of saying to the rest of the team, I don't give a fuck who you are. I'm the star of the show here. Sit your ass down on the bench and you'll play the way I fucking tell you to because that's the way you win. And wow. I understand that to a to an extent. Like, yes, style of play matters, but like, I don't know. To me, as a manager, you have to you have to work with what you've got. You have to work, you have to try to win with the tools you have. If you come into a team that's not built for a defensive style of play, you can't just force them to do it. And I'm not saying that Tottenham wasn't set up for that, but I don't know. I, I don't understand how you don't use Deli Alley. Like when when Potch was there, everyone was comparing him to Thomas Muller in his prime. Like, oh, he's this great, like player he can fucking make anything happen like he'll just roam around and make make magic happen and now he's on the bench for why because because he rose like made a stink on your style of play like i don't know i I don't know i don't know enough about the ins and outs of tottenham to 
to really get into it too much, but I'm just like, he's apparently one of the best players in the world. And you're just leaving him on the bench just to prove a point. Like to me, that's, that's not a good manager. That's not good managing tactics. That's, that's ego, which yeah. everyone knows. <laughs> Mourinho has. Well, so, no, you make great points about those those top players being asked to do things that maybe they don't like or they're not used to. You know, Eden Hazard's a good example too. Like he he actually put up with it for a little bit, but he's not a defensive winger at, at, in any sort of way. And then you know, eventually at some point he just kind of left and went to Real Madrid. Like it didn't work out there. And um, even at United, there were some, some issues, you know, with some of the players and, and, uh, and Mourinho. And, and now, like you said, when they brought in Gareth Bale, I'll admit, I got a little nervous thinking, okay, they might have a pretty good attack. You, you put Son, Ali and, and Bale behind Kane. I was like, holy shit. Like if they can lock it down with some of these guys behind him, um, the way like Eric Dyer had been playing before, I was like, okay, maybe they're they're going to be a good team. But now, like you said, I'm, I mean, I'm not worried because this guy, I feel like, kind of gets in the way of his players, his team. I think, as I mentioned on the last episode, I think he's a bit outdated in in his managerial ways. And that, I mean, he might have great takes. I'm sure. I mean, he has. Uh, I've heard him on punditry. He's a he's brilliant. He knows the game. It's like you said. I think it's the man management that might yeah. not be there anymore. And so, and that, and that matters. Yes. And that's. <clears throat> part of the I main part of your job as a manager is to get the best out of your players. And I think you kind of saw that last year with Liverpool. I think a lot of those players overachieved and that's why they're so great. And you wonder if they got too comfortable with Klopp <clears throat> won't go too far into it, but like it's, it's almost like pot or uh, Mourinho's like, managerial style is to agitate his players to a point of like uncomfortable growth type of thing instead of like making them want to come into work every day and do their best he just kind of says like he makes them like hate everything and the aggressive like fuck you i'm gonna fucking score because i fucking hate you and <laughs> that kind of shit like I don't, I don't know i don't know if it's that or what but i don't know i, I just don't see many players really loving to play for him or at least yeah, no, no offensive I, players <laughs> i would liken him to you know it's funny we mentioned this i'd liken him to a uh, like a professor or a teacher that was really good but then uh, you know maybe 10 years ago and now the style of student has changed or the style of players changed and just didn't didn't adjust might still be a great yeah. teacher just can't relate to the students anymore and that's that's that causes issues and it's that's how it is across every every business so yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see uh, how they do, but I agree with you. I'm not in the long run too afraid of them if I'm a top four team. I actually have more hope that Arsenal can catch them than that they will get into the top four. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I honestly think that is more like yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let us uh, other people let us know at the Footy Corner two. Uh, let us know that one. Now we'll go to a match that I expected to be talking about first. It was going to be the game of the <laughs> and. I mean, I'll be honest. There's some zero zeros that are good. And I've said that before. I just don't think this was it. Chelsea nil, Man United nil. Uh, I mean, it, it, there wasn't much going on, I think, to the point that, and I don't like doing this, but the only thing I could think of talking about is that ref decision. That, <laughs> you know, originally, I think people thought it was a handball on Greenwood, and I thought it was too when I was watching it live. And then they went to VAR because they said, oh, could it be on Hudson-Odoi? Do you, would you have given the handball? I know Stuart Atwell did not. 
Uh, what would you, do you agree with him on that one? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, my take on it, looking back, I, I watched it a couple times and watched the replays and everything. It, to me, Adoy's hand might have gone to hit it on its own, mm-hmm. but his hand was clearly knocked by Greenwood's hand, by his arm. Mm-hmm. And that caused it to definitively hit the ball. So to me, that's not a, that's not the handball rule that they're currently acting on right. in the Premier League. So I, I wouldn't have called it as such. I, I mean, I can't imagine a situation that I would have called that a handball or like, unless, unless the rest of the season, it's anytime, you know, when they were doing the, anytime the ball hits somebody's hand in the, <laughs> the offensive third, it's, it's a penalty or like whatever it, <clears throat> that is the only other time that I would agree with that being a handball. Cause it's the way they're calling them lately. That's not a handball. I was, yeah, was going to say part of me got a little nervous. Cause I thought, Hmm, are we going off how they called it maybe at the beginning of the season or how they're calling <laughs> it now? Cause, cause we talked about on the, even the show uh, last week, I think that they're changing it or they're talking about changing it. And there are rumors cause Manchester United fans obviously were pissed off. Some of their players were pissed off that uh, Luke Shaw said, that Stuart Atwell, the referee, told their captain, Harry Maguire, uh, that there will be issues if the penalty were to be given, even though VAR, I guess, suggested to give the pen. So the ref actually went against the VAR, which is, you know, rare. It's it's nice to see the ref come up with that decision. And I think Luke Shaw was told to take that statement back by Man United, but, uh, you know, he came out and kind of told <clears throat> an untellable. Um, any any thoughts on that? Do any uh, Did you want to commend uh, Stuart Atwell for, for holding his own there? I do. I do want to commend him, but did you hear uh, Ole's comments after the match? What did or if you say it, I think I, I was it about um, the Chelsea website. In oh, right. I didn't hear about that. So after he was he went on for a little bit about uh, <clears throat> you know oh there was there was some article posted on like the Chelsea fan site about um, how Manchester United gets all these penalties and you know. They, he didn't really, he was very vague about it. And they, whenever they like pressed him on, when the, the person asking the questions was pressing him on it, he kind of just goes, you can look it up for yourself. <laughs> and then he smiles. And I'm just like, you shithead. You haven't even fucking read the article. You, you had a press person read this shit and tell you that you need to bring it up. Like, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just like, then after the, the, uh, NBC sports people were like talking about it and they go, and we're even having a hard time finding this article. We cannot find it anywhere. I'm like, Oh my God. That's yeah. Crazy. So the, clearly the, the refs have read this article and are very influenced by some fan site article about man, you getting too many calls. Got it. And that's why they didn't make this decision. Okay. Ole. Oh my God. Good job. <laughs> Ole, Ole's trying to get, uh, learn a little bit from Fergie, I think, where he used to <laughs> yeah, yeah. rest. <laughs> that's wild. Too much from Fergie there. Right, absolutely. That's pretty. That's a pretty good one. I, I, I'm glad I've heard that one now. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Hudson Adoy, uh, Brian, I, I'm going to kind of put this in here, did interact with us, said, regarding Ashton's comments on Tuchel pulling CHO out after subbing him on at halftime, that was the last match, not this one. He said that Tuchel apparently addressed this individually with Hudson Adoy after the game. And with the whole team, still has confidence in the player as shown by starting him in UCL. Everything I've read is that Tuchel's communication with the whole team, player, staff, management, stadium workers, et cetera. Stadium workers? 
wow, bananas. Is, <laughs> is he talking to the vendors? What's going on here? Sorry. Is a vast improvement and appreciated by everyone. Even players that aren't being featured as much are being given directions and explanations, kind of referring, I think, to Lampard not talking to Marcos Alonso back in the day. I, I mean, all I was saying last week, I just wanted to clarify, is that there are situations that when that occurs, the player says, fuck this, and, you know, and, and gets mad and because you it can alienate them. Now, judging by Hudson Odoi's reaction when it occurred, and that's maybe why I didn't reiterate on the, on the show last week enough that I didn't see that that would be an issue because he didn't throw a stink. He, you know, he kind of understood. Yeah. And it was, it was blown over. I just was trying to say that there are two different kind of camps or things that can occur when that happens. And it's scary when you do it to a young player because you don't know what direction they're going to go. And they're usually generally kind of volatile um, on that one. What were your just thoughts, brief thoughts on that before we move on? I just thought I'd bring well, it up because it was in the comments. I actually read something that I, that I appreciated about Tuchel was he came out and said, like, he apologized mm-hmm. to Hudson Adoy. Wow. And yeah. in, front of, in front of the entire team and said, like, listen, I was trying to send a message. It wasn't the right way to do it. I, I apologize to you. And to me, like, that's that's management right there yeah it's not always the it's not always the x's and o's but it's it's getting it's doing something to get the the players to trust you as a person and trust that like you have their best interests at heart yeah that to me like if i were if i was brian i'd be i'd be happy about reading that news like Mm -hmm. i think yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea's got Chelsea's got a good manager right now. I, I think. I mean, we'll we'll see we'll see how it plays out. How long he's actually there, but <laughs> I think it's turning out to be a pretty good appointment. To be honest with you, uh, well, you know, this will bring me bring me to the next thing. I guess who do you think was better on the day? Because I, I, I don't know. It's difficult to tell. There's a lot of back and forth, and I guess to expand on that, which team do you think is going to be better off in general going forward? Oh. On the day, can I say neither? Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you there. It was, it was yeah, terrible. I had a I had a hard time staying awake for this match, but I mean, neither team was great. Mm-hmm. If I, I I rewatched highlights because I can't remember if I was awake for the entire match or not. I, I honestly I honestly did follow because I woke up early for the Arsenal game. Yeah. By the time the I think it was like the 65th minute. I'm going to be completely honest. I I passed out for a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I might have gone to take the dog for a walk at that point. Uh, after rewatching the highlights, gun to my head, I would say Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly because I feel like they had better scoring chances. I don't have the stats to back that up, but you know, yeah, based off of the highlights, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. There were one or two close calls that they had, whereas I think United's closest call was Fred curling it barely wide of the post. I think you know, yeah. outside of that. Yeah. Or wasn't much um, it, you know, going forward, honestly, I'd give, I'd give man, you just because of where they are in the table, I'd give them about a 70 to 80% chance of like staying in the top four, whereas Chelsea 40. Okay. But that's, <laughs> that's likely due to my Liverpool bias. <laughs> I yeah. Feel like, I, I feel like it. I've got to hope Liverpool will get up into the top four and one team's going to drop out. And currently I think Chelsea's that odd man out. So we'll see. see. Yeah. 
Yeah, the way I'm looking at it, uh, I've, I've kind of been down. I feel bad. I don't know. I kind of have been down on United, but it might be one of those things like they just get the job done. We t- it's been talked about before. They don't they don't, they don't show really for, for matches. They, they don't look super impressive. They don't look totally dominating. They score about half their goals on penalties. Uh, but some part of me feels like, and I feel bad doing this to Leicester and West Ham, but part of me feels that Chelsea and Liverpool can – leap those two but I don't know if 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 I were to pick one team to drop out of United Chelsea and Liverpool that I have coming up I kind of feel like Man United could potentially drop the ball uh that said though you mentioned something about teams that have already played a lot of their harder matches uh I think aside from they have City and Tottenham left but outside of that they might be in the clear and I I looked up have you seen the results of their last I think five games against big six teams have you seen that by any chance? No. <laughs> They've all been 0-0. <laughs> Seriously? If you look at their results, Chelsea was 0-0. Uh, I believe the one before that that they played 0-0 was Arsenal. They played Liverpool 0-0. Uh, and then they played Man City 0-0. That's their last four against the big six. Well, that doesn't surprise me because they were, you know, before the before the game, they were all talking about how Bruno's been just like dead tired. Yeah, against the they're like he should have just been rested in this match, and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, he is he is the engine of that team, mm-hmm. and if he's fucking tired, they're dead in the water. I agree with you. That that could be a scary thing, and they're going to have to be very careful to pick out when they do. Because I mean, this this next one might be the game to do it. They play uh, in a couple days, but then after that, they have City and then AC Milan in Europa League, which will be a fun, I think, fixture. One of the few Europa League fixtures that are worth watching, I think, that are going to be good. So we'll see how they do. I just – I feel like Chelsea are the better team right now. But like you said, if you look at the table, they're, what, a good amount clear of them? It'll be close, I think, with how they finish. I'm interested to hear what the others think. I know – I think I have a feeling how Brian thinks, but let's see what some of the other things on at the footy corner too, where these two will kind of end up uh, on the season. Uh, Let's go to your boys, Liverpool, two nothing winners over Sheffield United. Um, you know, it wasn't the prettiest at times, but Hey, they got the job done. Jones with the goal uh, pretty early in the second half. And I think the other one Firmino shot it, but they gave an own goal. Yeah. Um, to Keane Ryan, who I've never heard of in my entire life. Uh, but I felt bad. I felt like Firmino really did the work for that goal should have gotten it, but I guess it wasn't going in. It deflected in or whatever. Um, he could have had one earlier in the match. I think within 10 minutes, he had a really good chance to score one. And when he missed it, I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Poor guy. Poor guy's trying so hard to re-earn that reputation. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, he, again, he should have had one early. I think Salah should have had one real early too. So you saw the signs of this team. You know, I think they just need to see one hit the back of the net and, and to see someone like Curtis Jones do it. I think that's pretty big. I think just to get the win, just to get that result, uh, yeah. How big is it for them to see goals go in, to see them get that W, even if it is against a team like Sheffield United, just to get that momentum rolling again? I mean, obviously it's it's huge. I I think it started with the midweek Champions League matches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I Obviously, seeing Curtis score is great. I If I had to pick a Liverpool player of the year right now, um, I'd probably give it to Salah, but 
Curtis would be a close second place. I, we've got a text chain with a bunch of the other Liverpool fans and, uh, every match somebody's commenting about like Curtis Jones looks, he's putting more effort in than most of the other players that you see. Mm -hmm. He's especially in midfield right now where you're, you know, you've got Jeannie Wijnaldum, you've got Tiago, you've got all these other players that are supposed to be like creative sparks, but they're all making the same passes. They're all making the same and they're not working where, whatever Curtis is doing differently, it's fucking working. Mm -hmm. And so to see him actually like put one in the net to me, that's real fucking nice. So, um, yeah, I, I would have, (laughs) I would have felt all right with a one to zero win, but seeing two go in like that, that makes me feel better. But until I see them, (laughs) well, and we'll, we'll find out on Thursday. Yep. Until we see them beat a top 10 side, that's that's when I really will feel good about what we're doing. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I got so excited seeing that on the fixture list, and I remembered I teach it too every freaking Tuesday and Thursday. But uh, I rest assured, I will have it. It's so funny. If I could send the videos of my lectures, if I could at least post certain parts of it to like Twitter or the pod, you can see uh, – moments that I see something has occurred on a screen to the side where I might pause a little bit in my lecture. Uh, But I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. Curtis Jones, as you mentioned, awesome stuff from me. He actually talked after the game uh, too on, on the goal um, saying he actually dedicated it to uh, Allison and and his father and and a bunch of the guys were playing. He, He actually spoke like a, you know, not like a 20, you know, like a 19, 20 year old. He was like a captain kind of material talk there. Um, but it's great to see him. What do you kind of see a ceiling being? I mean, as far as like next year is concerned, I, I see him being a regular rotation player. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a guaranteed starter, um, but he's obviously still really young. I think his uh, like overall ceiling is a solid, like plus plus midfielder. You know, he's going to be one of those consistent starters for your team that's always there but never really considered in like the the world class like world beater or midfielder he's going to be one of those people like at the end of his career you know 20 years down the line you're going to look back and say curtis jones oh yeah i remember he was pretty good but not like oh i don't know like i don't know anyone else off the top of my head let me just like He's not a world-class midfielder per mm-hmm. se. It's like, you're not, you're not going to look back at him. Like you do a messy or a, uh, I don't know, any of the, any of the current like world beating world-class midfielders. He's just going to be one of those, like, it's good, but not, not great. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, and that's funny. Cause that's a lot of the times that's what people get so caught up on. They, they think that the talent is going to come out and be like, the, the, the biggest thing ever. And they don't think, okay, well maybe this person's role is going to be this and it's going to be good enough and it's going to be great for their career. It's going to be nice. You need those types of players. You can't have a team of 11 messies or 11 superstars that are going to be, you know, like, like you said, super world-class. Otherwise they're just going to get up and go somewhere else where they can star in a bigger role, you know? And so um, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now I'm going to give you a second to be able to address Jeff's statement, but before we get there, um, 
Uh, Henderson, I'm reading, is out until at least April with that hamstring injury, right, that he that he uh, suffered last match. Um, you know, it's it's a tough blow. It's tough because you like to see, you know, you were seeing that Fabinho was coming back or he's on his way, you know, he's on his way back and Henderson could go up to midfield now. And now this occurred. Um, does that worry you at all for your top four hopes or do you still think they might be able to deal with it? They've dealt with all these other injuries. I, I think at this point, like, I, th- I don't know. I, I can't say confidently we'll be top four. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we could be, I, Kabak is like, uh, I'm trying to think of the, <laughs> he's like a, he's like a, a solid center back, but he's clearly young and inexperienced. Like he definitely has made some mistakes and, but it seems like he's still got the, the, the mentality to cover for it. I, (laughs) I would really love to see Fabinho back in his natural position. I don't know if we're going to get that anytime soon. They're talking about it being a, Kabak and Nat Phillips mid center back pairing for a while, which is just like giving me heartburn. That's scary. It's <laughs> but, scary when uh, their combined age is. 42. I think we can. I think we. Yeah, yeah. I I can see. Obviously, as a fan, I can see us ending top four. I really want us to be top four, but I could also very easily see us staying exactly where we are, top six, and being in Europa league next year. And that's <laughs> compared to, you know, the run of play we've had, I'll be happy to take that. So. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, it, and the injuries, it's just so tough to overcome that many injuries, that many issues, uh, a team that I feel like, and I think teams, I won't say bank on fans, but they rely on the energy of their fans a lot. And I think that's one particular team that does because their fans really bring it. So when you're used to an environment where the fans are really boisterous and are helping you, and then they're not there anymore, I'm not saying, I'm not making an excuse for them, but I'm saying that there's something to be said about being used to performing in a certain environment and then having that taken away from you more so than a team that may not get that same environment, you know, perhaps a, a Fulham with the small stadium they're in or whatnot. So, yeah, uh, that's one thing. The other thing I just, or sorry, go ahead. City cities, I feel like part of the reason they're playing so great is because they're used to playing in quiet, empty stadiums. Mm-hmm. So it's just like every match is a home match. For them, right? <laughs> yep. That's why they're so good this year. Yeah. That's why they're so good. Oh my God. Uh, last thing I just want, I just want to hear a comment on this one. I don't know how prevalent this is. You are more connected to Liverpool than I am. Apparently Klopp is eyeing a German national team job. Now I, who knows when that's going to be. It's just something that was on the tabloids. They say Steven Gerrard's next in line. Uh, a, when do you think that would happen? And B, is that even plausible or is that just one of these tabloid things? Well, as far as I know, I mean, Liverpool and Klopp have both been telegraphing that he wants the German national team job okay. for like as long as he's been here. Okay. Um, he's basically said like, I mean, everyone was shocked that he extended his contract the first time. So it's, it's almost like they're trying to be like the, the Warren Buffett and 
Berkshire Hathaway, where it's like telegraph your moves early enough so everyone is not pissed when it actually happens. Right, right. Um, as far as Gerard taking over, I, I mean, I don't know if you've been watching any of the matches, but Rangers have been doing pretty well in Europa League. I mean, it's they they moved on to the next round, which is when you're in the Scottish Premier League, it's all you can I mean, all you can do is all you can ask for your manager to do is win the league mm-hmm. and do well in Europa. And he's doing that. Yeah. Does that make him ready for Liverpool? I I don't if if they announced him say like at the end of this season, Klopp left for the German national team and they announced Gerard taking over. I wouldn't be angry about it, but I wouldn't be like, Oh shit. Yes. Let's go. I wouldn't be super confident about it either. It's, it's one of those where I just kind of like, okay, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, yeah. I hope I don't, I mean, one reason I think it would have a better chance to succeed is because I don't think that they would treat him like <laughs> Chelsea did <for> Frank. <laughs> That's but true. That's at true. the same time, that could backfire at the same time. Like, he, he might be a shitty Premier League manager and they don't want to cut him. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? I, I don't think I'm ready for it just yet. But, you know, as a fan, we don't we don't often get those we don't get to make those decisions. So, yeah, it'd be difficult to separate emotion from, you know, what's going on on the pitch here and there. But uh, so now here's the I want to give you this this platform because Jeff has been going on and on about how Liverpool were the worst champions. So this is your moment. I'm going to give you the floor here, Steve, to address Jeff's statements, because I know um you and a, a few of the other guys, you know, in the, in the pound the panel have thoughts. So um, I will let you address that now. Well, first I'll address the grammatical issues. <laughs> uh, worst champions ever assumes that they barely won. Like say Liverpool only won based on goal differential. You know, say, say they only had a 12 goal differential to win the league. <laughs> 2011, 2012. <clears throat> Uh, or they, they had the fewest point total to win like that. That's what the worst champions ever look like. Mm-hmm. We'll leave that there. But what I believe that these people, Jeff, actually mean is that they are the worst defending champions ever, which, okay. Uh, you're either, Ignorant, biased, trolls, or stupid, or a combination of all of those. Because let's all right, let's let's take the main argument that Liverpool fans have used in our defense. Before last week's matches, Leicester players have missed 102 games due to injury. Only Liverpool had more. And it was twice as many at 204 matches missed due to injury. So, I mean, (laughs) this this is like, uh, (laughs) it's like someone saying like, oh, everyone has injuries. 
is like Jeff Bezos saying everyone has money. Right. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Everyone has money, but some have a lot fucking more than others, dude. Right. <laughs> but okay. Take that, throw it out. We're going to ignore the injuries. <clears throat> We're going to ignore a championship team, like a, a team that won the premier league losing players all things being aside, here's some facts. So, all right, Manchester United after they won in third, or I think it was twelve and thirteen, they finished seventh place with sixty four points. Blackburn Rovers after they won, they finished in seventh place with sixty one points. After Chelsea won in fourteen fifteen, they finished tenth place with fifty points, and Leicester. After they won in 15-16, they finished 12th with 44 points. The Chelsea and Leicester teams both won 12 matches. Currently, Liverpool sit in 6th with a record of 12-7-7. So, if we, we can assume that they don't win another fucking match the entire season, which, long shot, but sure, they have been playing like shit. Say they draw half of them. They're still not the worst defending champs ever. So <clears throat> these people who are saying that we're the worst defending champ, well, that, that's not even what they're saying, but they're either very uneducated or biased trolls. And it's, it, it feels like, did you see the video recently of uh, Cam Newton at a football camp? I did. Yeah. With the kid talking smack to him or whatever. <laughs> I feel like Cam Newton in this argument <laughs> where the kid's like, Oh yeah. Oh, you're a free agent. And he's like, yeah, but I'm rich. Right. <laughs> you're a free agent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm rich. So yes, yes. We are playing like shit and we're in sixth place, but we won the premier league and champions league. So we, we've still got something that you have never had at Man City. <laughs> so thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I will see myself out. <laughs> I've got to give a round of applause. That was pretty good. Uh, I, I will say, I, you know, I, my little two cents on this is that I don't think it's fair that you measure the point difference between two seasons. of I think because that was his reference that at one point of the season, you had this many points last year which was like a record setting season versus, you know, this year, which is not great, but it's also not like, like you said, I think the two that popped to my mind of teams that I thought had a defense that was not very good. And the only two that I could think of, if you ask, and, and you mentioned other good ones too, with, you know, mentioning United kind of fell, but to me, the big failures were Chelsea finishing 10th. And I know their fans would say the same thing. They were really disappointed that year. And Leicester, as much as we love their Cinderella run, you know, they, not only dropped, but I felt like the year they won, they kind of won with other teams sort of just like, it's sort of like this year where everyone kind of loses matches here and there. And then Leicester just kind of popped out the, the winners. And not to take it away from them, they well, yeah. worked hard and did a lot. No, but to your point, that was, I mean, the year Chelsea dropped was the year that Leicester won. And it's yeah. like everyone else is playing like shit. And then the champions, which if you look at like, so the Premier League started – in 92 mm -hmm. over half of the time the 
the champion, the person who, the team that won repeated. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I think, I think it's something like 80% of the time, they're at least top two. Oh, wow. the, okay. the yeah. team that won. Mm-hmm. So if the champion finishes 10th, yeah, that's going to open up the floodgates for fucking anyone to win. Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> you can, you can forgive Lester for finishing 12th, considering they were stripped for parts. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, there's, uh, there's not much of an excuse. I, I right. don't feel like there's a huge excuse for Liverpool, but we're in sixth place, which is better, better place than any of the other teams here. Mm-hmm. And Blackburn, they sold their soul to the devil to, <laughs> to right. win the league. And then they were, weren't they relegated two seasons later? Yeah, I think so. They didn't last very long. And I haven't seen a glimpse of them since, you know, for a long time. Yeah. I mean, they yeah, have since, but not for a long time now. So they're the Sasquatch. Yeah. Right. No, one's, no, one's, no one's seen them in years. Yeah, that's true. So that's, I think, a very good point. I'm very interested for the panel discussion that I'm guess that I'm sure we'll have maybe in a couple of weeks here. I know, like I said, their international break coming up soon. Uh, to, round, to round out the uh, the other matches, uh, just kind of do a quick overview of the others, although I might stop on a couple along the way here. Uh, Leeds 0, Villa 1, Al Ghazi with the only goal in that match in the fifth minute. Newcastle won, Wolves won, Lascales and Neves trading goals. Now, I did have a bit of good news that I read the other day, um, and it kind of was shocking to me because I wasn't expecting it. This came out, I'd say, what, three, four days ago, that Nuno Espirito Santo said that, quote-unquote, he's totally confident that striker Raul Jimenez will be able to play again this season after fracturing his skull. Now, whether that's a good idea or not is, is, is another topic, but – but um, hey, I mean, if 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 the doctors clear him and he's he's good to go, I mean that's a that's a hell of a comeback. He said that they're not rushed to bring him back, but he's he said he was asked, you know, will he play again? He said totally confident, totally confident, two times. So, um, any thoughts on Raúl possibly coming back this season? I mean, you love to see it. I Wolves are one of those teams that, for me at least, you root for, even if they're not your team. Like they're exciting to watch. They, they got the, the feel good stories and I don't know. I, I love Nuno and Raul is, even though he's a Mexican international, I, you know, you still root for him, even though I'm a U.S. men's national team fan. Like yeah. he's one of those guys that I just, I root for. So yeah. especially after I, that. I hope to see him back. I hope to see him back this year. If he's, able to I don't I don't want to see a situation where he's rushing back because I want him to come back for good and to be good so right that's true I I'll be honest I did not after seeing that know or think he would play again because uh there have been other players in the past that had issues with with skull fractures so that's yeah that's incredible we'll see I guess what happens with that so good news on that front thought I'd share a bit of that because you know we get riddled with bad news here and there it's good to share the good um in other matches, Palace and Fulham, nil-nil. So hopefully no one wasted their time on that. Um, Not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> now, today, Everton beat Southampton 1-0 which, with an early Richarlison goal. The early goals were were just a, a theme of everything. And, and now a game I kind of want to stop on a little bit here. Uh, West Brom and Brighton. Uh, West Brom winning 1-0. But there are a 
and, and Bartley, the only goal scorer. But there were a couple of wild things in this match. Did you happen to catch this match any, by any chance? You, I caught half of it. Okay. So not, not, the, not, the, not the half of the goal in it, unfortunately. Right? Well, I will say this. Before I get into that a little bit, you had a really good comment about this. I want to bring it up to the, to the folks on Twitter. You said, oh, so while watching West Brom v. Brighton match and saw Alexis McAllister, who I also noticed in FIFA – did some digging these Argentinian, which is wild considering, you know, the name, <laughs> but the best part about this, as you said, uh, the funnier part is that the dude has a brother, also a pro named Kevin. So that'd be Kevin McAllister from home alone. I love it. I think that's great. <laughs> Where does his brother play? Does it, did it say or no? Uh, so he's it's shocking thing. So his dad was a pro. Okay. Mm-hmm. He has two brothers that are pros. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I know, I'm pretty sure they're both in, uh, in the Argentinian league. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it was just wild to me. Like Kevin fucking McAllister. That's a, I think it's amazing, <laughs> especially cause I'm a big home alone guy. I know a lot of people here are, so that's, that'd be pretty sick if Kevin McAllister one buried the goal to win the title. Surely there are some good home alone titles they can put in the papers if if he does well. Uh just, just the most the most Scottish Irish names ever in these fucking Argentinian. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> that's wild. I think that's absolutely bananas. Um I do remember seeing that at one point this season when I clicked on his name and I saw the flag. I was like, wait a minute, what? What's going on here? Uh but sure enough. Now the other thing I want to bring up in that match is I realized I mentioned this about Brighton last week because I don't know if you remember last week, Brighton was done in by that Christian Benteke 95th minute goal to lose. And they dominated the whole match. Like Palace only had two chances and scored them both. Well, this week, (laughs) this week, Brighton misses two penalties. Mind them, first of all. Gross misses a penalty well in in the first half. Welbeck misses in the second half. And on top of it, they had one of the most bizarre goals ever taken away. I don't, I don't know if you got, if that was the bit that you saw um, Lee Mason was the referee in question here. And Lewis Dunk goes to take a, uh, a free kick. And apparently Lee Mason had blown his whistle and told him to go ahead. Obviously kicks it. He goes in, uh, but then Lee Mason disallows it. Then, Realized it and then disallows it again. It was one of the wildest things I think I've ever seen, and and I think that he completely has gotten it wrong. I, Lee Mason is has made an absolute meal of it. What were your thoughts on that moment? Did you happen to catch that? So I I did. I was like looking at articles afterwards because I was like, there, there's got to be some sort of explanation, and I found an article and I was like, oh, it says he came out and said that he lost his focus. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Let's, let's read up on this. Right. Is there's no fucking accountability for these, these refs. And this is my problem. Read the article and it was somebody else saying he likely lost his focus. And oh. to me, like, this is, this is the shit that pisses me off the most about it. Like <clears throat> I understand, like I was a ref in rec soccer growing up. Like I, it's not obviously not the same level, but I understand that decisions are hard when you're at different points on the field. It's hard to, you're, you're 
at the highest fucking level. And mm-hmm. I understand that it's, it's tough, but that doesn't excuse from excuse you from accountability. And if you made a mistake, you should have to go out and say, like, I just made a mistake. If people don't accept that, that's their fault. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like in the NFL where after uh, a reviewed play, they come out and explain it to the fans. And this is what I think the, the Premier League is getting wrong in this situation is that they're, if they're supposed to be all about the fan interaction, and if you're live during that play, all you see, see is on the, on the big board, it says goal, no goal, goal, no goal, and that's it. There's nothing to tell you, like, why this is happening. Mm-hmm. And that is where they're fucking up. Yeah. It, it doesn't even have to be, like, if, if you're able to talk through it with somebody else and make the decision and explain it to the fans live, all of this goes away. But they're not doing it. And to me, I don't blame Lee Mason as a ref. Sometimes you fuck up and you have a shitty day, and that's, that's fine. But you fucking be able to explain yourself when you have a shitty day like i'm sure you've had shitty days at work i've had shitty days at work when i have those shitty days i gotta explain to my boss what the fuck happened man like it's the only way to keep my job and i like getting paid and i'm not getting paid nearly as much as these refs are so i don't know that's that's my take on it yeah i mean i i agree i think i, I what i what i found out was apparently he blew the whistle a second time before the ball crossed the line i don't know but i agree with you lewis dunk mentioned actually what you kind of said after the game in this post uh, uh press conference post game press conference he said hey you know you should have him come out and talk just like i do instead of hiding behind his little bubble or whatever so it was it was something it was a yeah. wild sight um and it, you know again i, I feel bad because refs are being mentioned every week but feels like something like you said something's happening and someone just needs to come out and say something just be accountable um but yeah we'll see what happens if they happen to get in yeah. or this might be the worst they've been in a long time i don't know <laughs> so um but yeah. let's go to the, yeah let's go to the, anything about the matches before we go to the comments no yeah. uh, <laughs> let's jump to just a couple things i came across i thought would were worthy of shares just uh uh, one being about Arsenal, actually, a lot of Arsenal fans are disappointed by their latest move, by the team's latest move, um, in that actually uh, there is a certain membership level. It's called a silver membership, and I think fans pay fifty nine pounds a season. So it's not a it's not a huge amount, right? Uh, but I guess what this fifty nine pounds does, it doesn't get you tickets. It gives you priority to purchase match day tickets over others because i guess it's a difficult thing and again that's been restricted this season for obvious reasons Uh, and i guess an email went out to these members recently that they would not renew fans who paid a 59 pound fee um you know that that they said that they've received several benefits that include 10 percent discount off online store and monthly newsletter uh, so on and so forth now what is your take? And I'm sure a lot of teams are going to come across this issue through the, throughout the end of the season because no fans have really been allowed in. What are your thoughts on teams and what they should do with ticket plans? I think Arsenal has approached this wrong, obviously, as an Arsenal fan. But what do you think the approach should be of, of teams in this situation? I don't get why 
more teams don't take up like the Green Bay Packers model where you just sell fake stock to fans and they eat that shit up mm-hmm. yeah. and pay $200 for stock that means nothing. It's just a piece of paper. You're trading it. it up. I, I seriously considered it. And I w- if they offered it again, I would seriously consider it again. Mm-hmm. My sister bought some last time and it's like $200, but this is what they do to fund stadium purchases and right. all that kind of shit. And if someone told me like, all right, you can buy pack stock and it will give you priority when purchasing tickets. I'm like, Oh, this $200 is not just for a piece of paper, but priority. Like, yeah, I'd buy into it because that's, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm, I'm stupid. And I don't, <laughs> but like, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough because like everything is so, monetized for these teams nowadays and i i understand where a lot of these especially it seems like especially the british fans are like kicking back real hard on a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. i know like liverpool fans have been real pissed off about the premier league trying to charge more for being able to watch games and you know, it'd be the equivalent of us in America having Peacock Premium and <laughs> CBS All Access, the same shit that I've complained about, but I still fucking fork over the money for it because mm-hmm. I'm a sucker. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if they if they want to kick back, I I mean, I fully support it. I'm just I'm just an idiot with my money. So I was gonna say I I, I usually get those services anyway, and I'll complain later about it. I guess my main complaint about Peacock is I can't get it on my TV for some reason. Um, but yeah, with this case, you know, or sorry, what was what was that? Do you get on? I'm gonna say it's it's it drives me up a fucking wall that I have to search for every match as mm-hmm. it happens instead of it just showing up. Like they, if you go to the if you go on the thing, and I'm sorry to everyone listening because this is. A fucking rant. They probably do it too. They know what it's about. If you go left on it, it shows it. They show the Premier League TV channel, and so you always think like, "Oh, I'll just click that, and they'll show the game that's on." No, you have to search for the actual match, mm-hmm. and it never shows up. You're right. It drives me up a wall. No, you're right. I, I agree. The, the, I, I, it's never like there. You're right. You have to like search the specific game or try to find it exact. Um, I, I've always had issues too. Cause I'm like, okay, so you have to know who you're looking for anyway. You have to know which game, like you said, it's not like all these other, you know, there are other um, like YouTube TV or, or, or whatever anyone else might use or even NBC sports. It just pops up. Cause that's the game that's on. But I'm with you. No, I get you. I'm with you on this rant, man. Like it's, uh, trust me, I have my uh, my issues with it. Um, and, and and there isn't even like a button because you shouldn't have to dig to the different decks. Yeah, because even with CBS, you find can, it. You have like the Europa Games or the Champions League. You click on it, it goes there. But this one, yeah, it's uh, it's not as clear. <laughs> There's a headline that has everything right there. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so there's that. We'll, uh, we'll move on to Wrexham. So we, we've mentioned them a few times. I feel like they're becoming a pod favorite. Um, 
because Rob McElhenney and, and uh, Ryan Reynolds have, have purchased the team, they have now made an announcement. They're doing a madness. And what is the madness? That the Wrexham players will receive, each of them, a 250,000-pound bonus from them, from their owners, if they get promoted from the National League this season. Uh, and I think they're in seventh, so they're they're close. Um, but more they, than that. Huh, what was that? I think they, I think they get like a thousand or like, I don't know if it's like 250 pounds each for a win and 50 pounds for a tie. Two. Oh, really? yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot, but yeah, fuck, I'll take it, especially if you're in that level, I'm sure they're not, they're not making much. So I'm sure 250 like pounds for a win. Fuck that. That'll motivate me some more. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. And so now for promotion, you're getting like, quarter mill these guys aren't these guys aren't playing around so they're they're trying to incentivize the players and and i like how they're how they're doing this takeover it, it'll be interesting i've asked a couple of people where they think Wrexham might be in like five or so years now they're well down there they're in what conference north or whatever do you see them getting up to you know league two maybe by any chance or even league one i mean with the right moves yeah mm-hmm. I, I i don't know how high they can actually go or if like how far Reynolds and McElhenney can actually get them with their money. Like, I don't know how loaded these guys actually are. I know Reynolds has been in the news a lot lately for throwing his money around and that kind of stuff outside of soccer. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's good to see. I, I like to see the, <clears throat> the managers who are, or the, the owners who are clearly like in it, not for necessarily just the profit, but to actually like build up the surrounding community and you know the, it, for me it was better to see the the money being put towards the the support staff but this is also good to see too because these are not like these are not the millionaire athletes that you you think of when you when you see professional soccer players these are these are guys who are you know probably making maybe like twenty thousand dollars a year type of thing like mm-hmm. yeah no you're they've right got, they've got second jobs these guys are you bagging your groceries they're working at the local hardware store type of shit like they're they're not they're not loaded yeah no that's definitely true to go to a group that is doing well to one that has been fired totally uh going to <laughs> Schalke real briefly um Schalke has sacked their entire front office apparently um they now are bottom of the league. They have nine points in 23 matches. I think we've, we've, we have documented some of their struggles in this podcast a little bit. Um, they're nine points behind Armenia Bielefeld, Bielefeld um, who are in the relegation playoff spot. They also are the Bundesliga's worst side in 50 years. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, they're on coach number. I think, like I said, they've ma- ma- fired five managers and the entire front office and I guess there was a player revolt. So I heard about like this player revolt and, and that's what led to this happening. So <laughs> this is, this is why I have to share this on the pod. This is related a bit to premier league. Who do you, do you have a guess as to who led the player revolt? <laughs> was it Quebec? That would have been really funny if it was, it wasn't, a, it, it wasn't an outgoing <laughs> way out. Fuck you guys. <laughs> but it was a player that replaced him. It was two players that replaced him. And these names should sound very, very familiar. Well, there are three of three players that did it. One was Klaasian Huntelar, who's been pretty well known on the scene for a while. So he's an older, respected guy. The other two 
Shkodran Mustafi, and Syed Kolesinech. <laughs> so, so basically, Arsenal oh. sent their garbage out to ruin <laughs> other teams. <laughs> Squadron. Squadron is causing a madness in Germany now. It's unreal. It's absolutely. I'm just. I see a picture when I was reading this article. I saw a picture of him and Syed in in Schalke jerseys. I'm just like, thank Jesus, they're fucking gone. Well, <laughs> it blows my mind. Like, I see Schalke doing so poorly, and I'm like, wait, didn't they like do really well with Weston McKinney in like a few a few years ago? Like not long ago. What the fuck happened? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. It's a weird. They were in, I believe, they were in Champions League not long ago, like five yeah. years ago, maybe even within, more within the last three years they were in Champions League. Yeah, and, and that's that's a scary. See, that's a scary thing. You know, if you consider a te- you know, your team or our, you know, my team, if they've ever been in, you're like, oh, when they start falling apart, it can get this bad. This is, I mean. <laughs> Uh, that just proves to me though that those two players think that they should just not be on I don't know what team they should be on but uh yeah they let a revolt so <laughs> that's that's what the word says um amazing stuff speaking of old teams or players that were very good a few years ago uh I don't know if you heard there was a bench clearing brawl in the championship <laughs> between oh. and Watford and good old Good old Jack Wilshere and and uh, Tom Cleverly got into it again. So there are some players that were uh, pretty big Premier League players back, in, you know, not too long ago. And and yeah, here they go at it again. I think there was a bad tackle by a Watford player on Jefferson Lerma of Bournemouth, and then Wilshere, who's always stood up for his teammates, kind of went in. And then there might have been some some punches, is what I'm hearing, were thrown. And uh, I know Wilshere got uh, a red card. He got ejected from the game as did a. Watford player. I don't know which Watford player it was, but I know that cleverly and Wilshire got into it apparently. So I thought that was pretty funny. I thought I'd share that. Um, cool stuff. No, I, with I, I watched it. It was a baseball fight. Oh. There was there was not a single punch thrown. Oh yeah, because the way that it, I just read, yeah, I saw it. Really, <sighs> that's disappointing. Because I read an article and it sounded much better than it probably was. I got a funny story about uh cleverly though mm-hmm. right because correct me if i'm wrong he used to play for leicester right he may have i know he played for united manchester united and then watford maybe in between he was with leicester i, I don't know when but i first really started getting into the premier league mm-hmm. i would always watch and they would <laughs> the commentators wrote you know how they always kind of like say the the player's name as they're you know touching the ball and everything. He was with Lester on loan. Sorry. Yes. You're yeah. right. You're right. And I was going to say, I thought it was Lester when, he, but he would get the ball and pass it. And like, oh, cleverly. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, are they saying he played the ball cleverly? Like it was a <laughs> clever pass. <laughs> and it took me about like four to five, like times watching it. Like, Oh, that's the guy's fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> He did. Yeah. He, he, he <laughs> with Lester on loan. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's just an embarrassing little tidbit I got to share. So that's amazing. You know what? Though I'm sure we all had our stories of when we first started watching, getting used to the English commentary. I must say, like 
I was obsessed with so many of the phrases and I still kind of am to this day, but you know, I always loved how they used unlucky to, to, to mention things that we never just blurred out unlucky to something. You know, <laughs> I started doing that to people in public and it didn't go over so great. Some people got pretty mad at me. Um, I remember, I remember at a bar, uh, you know, the, some bars have like, you know, you get really drunk and you could shoot a basket. There's one bar in Chicago. I can't remember which one it was that has a basketball hoop. Um, it's one of those on grand. Uh, it has a hoop in one of the corners and people can just shoot. You don't have to pay. Or just, is it rooftop? Um, is it? No, it's, it's actually an indoor place. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's slipping. I was, thinking, I was thinking Richards, which is an all time great Chicago bar. <laughs> yes. No, this isn't even, that one. Even Jeff Paris would like that bar. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't. Well, when this ends, when Jeff comes in, I'm sure we'll all have a, a grand time. Uh, but yeah, I just remember a kid going and shooting. I, I remember him being all hype and, and then he bricked it really bad. And I was pretty, pretty drunk. And I just yelled unlucky really loud. And like, I forgot that people here don't know what that means. And he thought I was <laughs> mocking him and he, he, he almost fought me. So oh. when unlucky went wrong, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude, I was just kidding. You know, like no fight, no fight, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so those, yeah, that'll do it for the comments. I know there's some cool stories I'll throw in there. So no nonsense today because i'll save that for that solo episode you you have a good submission that i will bring up there are some good submissions that have been so those that have sent me them they're very good um but again i'll save them for the the solo episode so there's something on that because they're only seven matches next week but what we do have for you is a mount rushmore uh and i think this is a really good one and i think we'll have a lot of people like oh i can't believe you left this guy off and this guy off because there's so many options it is the mount rushmore of premier league players under the age so it's under, not equal, right? Under the age of 23. Uh, wow. I think this is a great topic. I got to give a shout out to Steve for coming up with it. That was that was clutch. Um, the best I had come up with was bald people. But uh, <laughs> are we saying under 23? Oh, shit. Do we want to go 23 and under? That's what I put, but I can, no, I can, I mean, oh, the only person that really, they're only they're, no, 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 they don't, the only person that really deletes is uh, Rashford. Correct. Yeah. So let's go under 23. Okay. So we'll go under, because I actually originally wrote him down and then I double checked their ages again. I was like, wait, under actually. So, okay. So yeah, that eliminates Rashford. Um, and so, okay. So we'll go ahead and do this. And in the, I don't, I don't remember who won exactly the last time. Well, actually, I didn't announce the winners, did I? Uh, well, Nantes, I don't want to announce until um, until the next episode. And the last Mount Rushmore. Oh, I've already announced it. So we got nothing new to announce. I'll let you choose. Do you want to go first since you're since you're the uh, guest co-host? Do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. You want to go first? Okay, sure. So you, yeah, I was going to say you can either choose first or the second two. So you will go first. Who do you have in mind? I mean. I gotta go. I gotta go. Homeboy, Trent Alexander Arnold. Yep. <laughs> I knew you were gonna take him. Okay. I had him pretty. I had him pretty uh, high up in mind. Um, all right. So now you've left me with a conundrum because I have three guys I really want to take right now. I know I can only take two of them. So I gotta go with my boy right now, who's on a good run. I, I even if I think. Other players might be better than, but he's he's been red hot. If people have been watching him, he's been really good. I gotta go with Bukayo Saka, just because he's my boy and and his form has been fantastic. Yes. The other one, 
<laughs> it's I know you're going to take one of these guys if I don't take them now. And this is this is scary because the question is, do I want votes or do I do I pick? Well, I don't know who's better out of these two. I'll go with Captain America, Christian Pulisic. He's only 22. <laughs> he, he makes the cut barely. Um, but to previously announce the other ages, Alexander Arnold is, uh, is 22 also, right? Oh, I yep. noticed. Okay. Sokka's only 19. So I, I didn't know. <laughs> I was going to say, Sokka makes it by a fucking mile. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he makes the cut. Incredible that he's like your best player right now, aside from maybe like Leno. Yeah, no, he has been. And, and, and like, again, that's why I'm putting him there. His form has been ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm going, if I go based off that right now, it's, it's him. And then there's another guy up here that I, you know, I, I had to pick Captain America, even though he's not getting much game time now. He made a good cameo, I thought, in the, in the, the match, even though I was kind of asleep. But uh, you're up for the next two. I think it's because he's been injured so yeah. much. But, that's, uh, that's true. I'm going to start off with – hold on. Let me just make sure he's uh, – let me make sure he's of age. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he's been fucking red hot for Palace lately. Eberiche as a oh, – no, my boy. <laughs> I thought I could pick him for – you took him from me. <laughs> oh, man. You know – yeah, I don't know. You you know I'm a big Eberiche as a guy. I actually – Thought I could take him next or in the fourth. Damn. Okay. Good pick. I like that. He'll be on a big team soon. Give him a couple of years. He'll be on a big team. And then I'm going to go with the Dutch international. Mm-hmm. You probably hate him, but Steven Bergwijn. Yep. I, I, I knew that was up there. I actually was shocked to see him under 23 for some weird reason. Uh, before I kind of went on a little quest to find you know, I did like a, a search on the Premier League site of you could you could look up like by age and stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, this dude's not I thought he was like 24, 25. So that's a good pick because yeah. he, he he hasn't gotten many chances lately, but he was he was real good when he first came in. And I have I think he'll be pretty good. He scares me. Um, well, I have two picks. Eberiche as it was on. I really thought I'd get him. Um, I'm going to go with, though, uh, not a popular pick, I think, for us here, and not a popular pick for uh, anyone but Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, but I have to say, not a popular pick for my wife either. She, she's like, oh, that guy. Who's that guy that Jeff, Jeff wants to look like? She, she always makes fun of Phil Foden, but I got to go with Phil Foden. Um, I mean, yeah, he's good. <laughs> you got to, yeah, you you got to pick him. I was, I was thinking about it, but. I just wanted to trigger Jeff a little bit. <laughs> well, I was worried you'd take him when I didn't. I was like, uh, he might take him, but then I don't. I figured you might not, you know, in order to just kind of, you know, yeah. trigger him. But um, <laughs> yeah, and then the other ones, the other one, see, because if we do take 23-year-olds out, that also did take out Ruben Diaz, just saying. Um uh, so the other one I'll go with now, this is tough for me because this, I think we're now in a group of a lot of people that are, that will have good stretches, then be off for stretches. Uh, and I think, you know, Curtis Jones will eventually be up there on that list for me, but I'm not ready to take him yet. Uh, there's so many of these Chelsea players and I already have one. 
I don't want to take Mason Greenwood quite now. I'm going to go with uh, a play. Okay, this might not be popular, and he's not a super attacking player, but I really like what he brings on the wing back position or an outside back. I really actually have always liked Reese James quite a bit. And I'm mm. throwing Reese James up there. Uh, I just I see a really good fullback in there, and and I figured I don't have any defenders here, so I might as well throw him in the pack. Uh, even though I have two Chelsea guys here, it kind of makes me sad uh, <laughs> that, I, that I have more Chelsea than Arsenal players. But hey, um, I, I like I like what I've seen out of him. But there are just so many players on this list that I, I didn't <laughs> know, and I just kind of picked a defender to round it there. So you have one more pick. I got one more. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh man. So I'm stuck between two. It's tough. <laughs> oh. All right. <clears throat> yep. I'm going to do it. Ferran Torres. There you go. Okay. He was another one I was considering too. He's only 21. It was between him and Mason Mount. Uh huh. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I had a bunch of people I was between. That's a, that's a solid pick too. There are so many that we have not put on here that are. I'm surprised you didn't say Martinelli. Yeah, he was on my list. You know, the the thing is, people have forgotten about him because he's been injured and and his form. And I was worried that people would think I'm taking too many Homer picks. But then now that I've picked two Chelsea guys, I'm kind of sad. Uh, <laughs> but some honorable mentions: uh, Martinelli, one of them. Mount, you mentioned, I had on the list. Hudson Adoy is another player. Uh, Curtis Jones, shout out to him. Rice. Declan Rice, yeah. Mason Greenwood. Wesley Fafana. Yes. Oh, that's a really good one. See, I – yeah, I should. I could have thought about him. I was thinking about Ruben Diaz, and I saw he's 23, and that kind of made me sad. Um, looking towards the Arsenal players, like you said, I have a bunch of those here. Like he's in Martinelli. I added Smith Rowe to that, who's 20. Um, and if you count lone players, Odegaard's 22. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I just threw that in there for, for banter. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are just so many good young players coming up. And if we extended that to 25, like you'd been mentioning earlier, holy crap, like yeah. it would have been mad. Um, you know, maybe we can, you know, in doing this exercise, I was like, this was so fun. I could see something similar or maybe try to do something similar with the panel in terms of picking like world players that are either under a certain age, or we can even do over a certain age, which would be bananas. I think too, that would be fun as well. Uh, But doing this, I was like, damn, this was a fun exercise. So uh, the final results, Steve had uh, Trent Alexander, Arnold, Eberiche Eze, uh, Steve Bergwijn and Ferran Torres. I had Bukayo Saka, Christian Pulisic, Phil Foden and Reese James. A lot of, a lot of players that I'm, I am, I, I will tag. I will tag teams and we will get a lot of responses on this. I'm pretty oh. sure. So, <laughs> and we might have some nasty words said to us. So prepare. Because yeah. I'll be honest, it, it wasn't easy. This wasn't easy at all. It was fun. And that's, that's the kind of Mount Rushmore you like to see around here. So um, with that said, do you have anything to add to, to that or any other honorable mentions I may have missed? No, I think we, I think we covered them all. All right. So, Shall we do it? Let's do the week. What I'm calling the week 28 and a half predictions, because even though week 27 is on Saturday, it seems like the week 29 matches. That's why I call it 28 and a half. Half of the 29 matches have been moved up. And I I don't know why I think 
something's going on in a couple of weeks or, or scheduling a couple of the week 33 matches. So it's literally like a hosh posh week. Um, it is seven matches. So I understand averages may go down, um, but hopefully people will still pick. Cause I thought seven was still in the realm that it works out. Uh, so starting tomorrow or today, I guess, to when people might listen Tuesday, Manchester city wolves at the to had, I, I just, I can't see city losing. I got three, nothing city. I got Sergio Aguero, uh, doing something because he hasn't done anything all year. So I feel like this is the game. He does something. I got city one wolves zero. Mm-hmm. Jesus. There you go. So we both got strikers scoring. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> Burnley Lester. I think Lester bounces back. Uh, I don't think Burnley's very good. I got Burnley nil Lester two. Although you did mention the concerns with the midfield. I think Jamie Vardy will, will get one in this one. I got a one, one draw with uh wood. Okay. I could see that one too. Cause these midweek games that when you've played on a Saturday or Sunday, they can be low scoring and pretty crap barren. And that's what I see in this next match. Sheffield United hosting Aston Villa. I got Sheffield nil Villa one Ollie Watkins. I got Sheffield zero Villa two Watkins. There you go. Palace and United. I'm not sure how this match will be in terms of entertainment, um, but I got Palace nil United two Marcus Rashford. Uh, I can tell you, it's going to be dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. Probably. I got a 1-1 draw United uh, with Bruno scoring. Ooh. And if Eberich Eze scores, I'm going to be pretty happy about that. So <laughs> shout out Eze. Uh, West Brom Everton. You know, I'm looking at this. I don't know why I picked 3-1 Everton because I think the match will be low scoring. But, you know, I'm going to stick by it because Everton, if there's a team that will score a lot of goals and give one up, it's them. DCL, Everton 3-1. Mm. I got West Brom one, Everton two, Richarlison. There you go. Richarlison's been red hot. Um, Fulham hosts Tottenham. And I was originally going to say one nil Tottenham. Uh, but because I have Son as my captain in fantasy, I'm going two one Tottenham. I have Son scoring the goal because a lot of people triple captain Kane this week. And I, I need Kane not to do, not to score a lot of goals because they're triple captaining him. So. I got Fulham zero, Tottenham three with Bale scoring again. Oh, there you go. go. Going with the hot hand. Yeah. The big match. All right. Liverpool, Chelsea. I, you know, I can just see this being, you know, it's good. It's a hype match. I can see it being entertaining, but again, I can see it going either way. I can see it being one, one. And that's what I'm going to go with. And I think Mo Salah will score against his former team. <laughs> I got a, uh... Similar scoreline, but it's actually going to be 2-1. There you go. 2-1 Liverpool, uh, Salah's going to score. Yeah, I feel it. He, he tends to really step up in these kinds of games. And, again, he's been their, their best player. Um, all right, so now let's take it to the gambling corner. And the intern got fired. We <laughs> went on Monster.com. And didn't find a new intern. So we're calling the intern back. Uh, and the hopes are that this weekend, so they're giving they're hired again, still not getting paid. Right. <laughs> we're gonna bring the intern back. We're gonna start with the Bielsa bucket. And we're gonna the, the first step is for the, the intern by this weekend to sort out all these scores that they've missed out on. So um I have heard the intern, I, I brought the intern back yesterday. They've put a couple of the weeks together, so they're getting there, but they have until the end of the weekend. Otherwise, um, I don't know. We'll just be internless, and I'll do the work. Uh, 
So gambling corner, I know actually, I think I, I had a good week last week. I think I was two of three. So um, even though I don't bet them in real life, listen to me, folks. I got two good ones this week. I got Lester at plus 102 against Burnley. Five, I'm putting five bucks to win 510. And I also like Villa against Sheffield United, five bucks at plus 106 to win 530. So these are the two games. I'll split them at five and five. Even if I go one and one, I win. It's sense, but I win. So, so I got Villa similar at Bovada does 105. Okay. 105. So I got $3 to win 315. Uh-huh. I got Liverpool to win at 125. Yep. So to win $3 to win 375. And then Southampton actually had some pretty good odds. Uh-huh. So it's plus 120. So I bet $4 to win 480. Really? Wow. <laughs> hey, might as well give it a roll. See what happens, right? Against Sheffield? Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. The Sheffield. fact that I'm getting plus odds against Sheffield, like, I, I, I got to take that. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like they've dipped, but then that's when you take a team embedding, right? That when they've dipped, but then like, that's when the odds will start going down. But you're like, come on. Now you're talking about a really bad team that they're playing. And surely yeah, like South, Southampton haven't been playing. I mean, they've been consistent. They haven't been playing that poorly. Right. Right. Yeah. Where Sheffield have been, <laughs> they've been <laughs> shit throughout. So, right. They had that one little stretch a few weeks ago and now it's like, eh, they're not going to do it. I mean, if anyone's going to come out of that relegation hole, it's Fulham and, yeah. and, and, and no one else. Uh, okay. Awesome. So with that said, uh, again, Steve, thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate uh, you taking the time. I know things are getting real busy now uh, out of your schedule to come on and co-host the people. I'm, uh, I get good feedback off it. The people love it. Um, so it's good to have you on anything you want to say as, as we depart. Oh, it was great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, with that said, shall we, we'll turn it over to Unai Emery. Take it to the big man. Good evening, Alexa. Please to play, uh, my favorite song. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. 